Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport and deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class athletes to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Olnert, the CEO of Securo, and today I speak to professional cricket player Maitland Brown. Maitland's approach and personality are refreshing as we learn about her journey to become a high-performance athlete. She shares some great insights about acute focus, grit and determination, and how they can be used to overcome injury and achieve desired goals. Building Resilience Podcast. Maitland Brown, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. Um, It's drizzly outside, so I'm seeking... uh a bit of shelter inside and um, keen to have a chat with you today. Oh, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, it's not that it's, a, it's the right type of day to be indoors. Um, <laughs> as people join the Building yeah. Resilience podcast, we always like to start off with their story um, and how you ended up getting to the top of the game. Um, obviously, you're the beginning of a very, hopefully, long career in, uh, in cricket, uh, uh, playing at the highest level across women's cricket. But I'd love to know how you got there. Could you share your story? Yeah, so I'm from a little country town called Wingham. Um, it's about four, four and a half hours north of, of Sydney. So um, there's not a whole lot going on here, but um, what was going on was the, the local sport. So when I was in primary school, um, I was in year six and I wanted to be in every um, sporting team I could. Um, and one of the teams that I tried out for was cricket. And I'd never played cricket before apart from in the backyard and um, I only played cricket at the backyard of my nan and pop's house and my brother and I actually only used to use an axe handle and a tennis ball, um, which is a little bit silly looking back. Like we probably could have just gone um, to the shops and, and got a little backyard cricket set, but no, pop pop insisted. Well, it's good the blade wasn't still attached. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pop insisted we just <laughs> use the axe handle. So um, we used that for years, honestly. Um, and as we got taller, that the the bat obviously was a lot smaller. So, um, yeah, and obviously um, decided to try out for the school team and it was a boys-only team at the time and it was a little bit controversial. A couple of the boys kicked up a stink that I was trying out for it and um, I ended up getting picked and um, I think back then I thought I was really good and knew what I was doing, but um, the reality was I'd never played cricket before and, yeah, I think I was just sort of having so much fun and, and obviously I got picked so I was good at it and it was making me feel really good about myself and so I wanted to keep playing and I also really like the team sport aspect of it. I played a lot of soccer and hockey growing up so I was always in amongst team sports and, and yeah, I kept on playing cricket and played for the local Wingham Junior Cricket Club and got asked to try out for a few different teams here and there and ended up snowballing and I kept getting picked in teams and I found myself playing for New South Wales in the underage sort of pathway and, and also found out that there was a, a women's competition in Sydney. So um, I didn't think any girls played cricket. So I was sort of um, playing with boys up until I was about 15, um, I reckon, until I decided to, to, yeah, until I found out there was other girls playing. <laughs> so um, yeah, I found a few different um, female competitions and, and played for New South Wales growing up and, I also still was was living at home and so I played a lot of men's first grade cricket, which was really cool to be competing with them um, and also uh, getting them out. Obviously, it's a pretty um, nice brag for me to get a, a 30-something-year-old male, sending him back to the change rooms. 
uh, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, obviously, yeah. So I played for New South Wales growing up, and um, and when I so when I finished school, high school, um, I was sort of in a bit of limbo, and um, it was really hard for me to to play in Sydney because obviously it's a it's like a four hour drive. So my um, routine for the weekend would be wake up really early, about four o'clock on a Sunday morning with my dad. We drive down to Sydney and I'd play grade cricket all day because that was sort of how you would get picked into the representative teams um, was to play a bit of grade. So I played in Sydney all day and then we'd drive home and I'd get home at about 10 or 11 o'clock and then I'd have to go to school the next day. Um, and so I was pretty tired on a Monday morning, but I was super grateful and thankful that my parents sacrificed uh, hours in the car for me every weekend. And um, obviously every now and then we'd go down for camps and training sessions throughout the week. So so many hours in the car um, living really was, was a bit of a challenge, but um, yeah, we stuck it out and um, I ended up sort of because of the travel, I wasn't down in Sydney as, as often as I would have liked to. And I, um, I got dropped really from the New South Wales pathway and uh, found myself just being a bit of a waitress in um in Wingham at the local cafe the one of one of two cafes in town <laughs> um and I ended up getting a call from one of my mates who I played um cricket with in Sydney and she said hey would you like to come down to Canberra and and play um and train with us so um I ended up instead of driving four hours to Sydney seven hours to Canberra so I made that commute for about a year so I head down there stay in a hotel for a bit and train and then I'd come home and because um, at the time the contracts um, weren't enough for me to actually live down there and play cricket. So I had to still live at home um, and play. And then I eventually got upgraded to a contract the following year and moved down to Canberra and played for Canberra for, or ACT Meteors, that's the team, um, for about uh, four, four or five years. Um, and then only recently moved back up to Sydney or not back up, move closer to home, up to Sydney, um, and I'm currently playing for the New South Wales Breakers um, and the Sydney Sixers. So that's sort of the journey, lots of hours in the car. Yeah, you. what an awesome story around that commitment as well, right? Because, <laughs> that's the gist. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Getting up at four o'clock in the morning, it's kind of, it's dark. Like there's, there was so many points in, in that story where you could have just gone, this is too hard. Um, yeah. or, or kind of uh, when when you when you got dropped and you were working as a waitress, there's there's so many stories you hear of people that had a really uh, beginning of a, a beginning of a potentially long career, but um, at certain points uh, you have those sliding doors moments where kind of you either go one way or or you work hard and, and you yeah. stick at it and you, and you go to the next. What are the kind of what's the what's your mentality like? What's your mindset like that that uh, and the traits that you've got uh, that that made you not give up and, and made you set that alarm clock uh, every Saturday morning? Well, I guess um, I guess yeah, I, I agree. There's definitely points where um, you know finding like as a waitress, you know, I could have had I could have just stayed at home and be like nah, stuff this. I don't want to drive seven hours um, to head down to Canberra. But there was actually a point where I was thinking that I was. Um, I remember when I got their call to say, hey, like, sorry, you're not included in this pathway. I was like, all right. I hung up. I was like, all right, I'm going to do the whole gap year thing in Europe, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I remember it was just sort of a bit of a whim. I never did it, obviously. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I felt like um, 
I I was just really driven. I wanted to play cricket. I think I just enjoyed it so much. I think it brought so much happiness that um, I'd probably get FOMO if I didn't play or, or didn't drive down on a Sunday morning um, and play with my team. And I also think that, um, yeah, obviously I'm really grateful for my parents um, for sacrificing so much time in the car. So I didn't want to sort of disappoint them in that way and be like, oh, you know, we've spent so much time, we're too far into it for me to be like, nah, I don't really want to play anymore. But um, obviously if I wasn't enjoying it, I'd probably um, make the call. But, yeah, there was just so much enjoyment there and um, and I just really liked, yeah, being a part of something so special. And um, and I was also coming into the, the sort of cricket space um, at a time where female cricket was was really evolving and, and it was getting really exciting. So it was um, – yeah, I was driven to sort of be a part of that um, that pioneering stage, I guess, and, and join the the um, the journey. So, yeah, there was just a lot of um, a lot of fun desire to sort of uh, keep playing cricket because I bloody loved it, and also it was just something special to be a part of. So, uh, I think that's what's really driven me is just the enjoyment that I get out of it. It's amazing what you can do when you love something. Um, where a lot of people on the show, in fact, almost everyone we spoke to, they said their passion and drive um, has been completely multiplied when they're doing something that they love, even if, even during the tough times. Yeah. Uh, they're getting out of bed early in the morning, they're going to do that extra training, they're, they're, they're going to do the extra physio. Uh, because the, the passion is there and the love's there, then these things don't seem as hard um, in order to, to do them. And they're, they're, they're obviously the building blocks to that success. Yeah, especially um, thinking back when, when I lived in Canberra, Canberra gets to minus often in the winters and um, that's usually when our pre-season is. And I remember a couple of mornings it would be well, our coldest morning was minus seven and we actually had to do a fitness test. Um, and, yeah, obviously rolling out of bed, doing a running session minus seven is pretty horrible. But um, at the time, you're not really thinking about, or I guess you're thinking about how much is body hurting. But the actual goal is that, you know, we're getting ready for the season. And because I love what I do, I'm just going to get up at, at whatever time it is in the morning and get this running session done at minus seven. So, yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely makes the job a lot easier when you enjoy it so much. Yeah. Last year, uh, sorry, in um, uh, November 2020, I was reading you had quite a serious hamstring injury um, and obviously just getting into the season there with kind of high aspirations. Can you talk me through your recovery and the process that you went through that enabled you to, to bounce back from that stronger than you went into it? Yeah, well, just before I did the um, the hammy injury, I actually finally cracked the Aussie squad for the first time. So I was literally right up here. Um, super pumped. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, finally, like, I'm, it's such a hard squad to crack. So um, that's the hardest part is just getting in there. So, yeah, obviously, really riding the high, heading into Big Bash with so much confidence, knowing that the following the season um, that was about to um, start was going to be a good one for me, knowing that I was sort of already um, about to achieve my goal of playing for Australia. And, um, yeah, danced down the wicket for a spinner, missed it and did the splits um, to get back into my crease and snap my um, hamstring completely off the bone. And um, that was my whole season written off. So that was a bummer instantly from being uh, at, at the top, down down right, down the bottom. And did, did you get stumped out as well? Yeah, I actually got bowled. 
which is the worst part. Oh, so annoying. Um, yeah, and and I think I only played about uh, four or five Big Bash games. So, um, yeah, I didn't. And then the rest of the season was obviously completely written off. And that was the first um, significant injury that I'd have, uh, that I'd had. I'd obviously had niggles here and there and um, out for a couple of weeks, but nothing that was uh, nine months out till um, full peak. And, yeah, that was really hard. I definitely um, struggled at times, especially early when I was on crutches, um, not, not being able to do anything. Like I literally just had to wait for my wound to sort of heal before I could get started in, into stuff and um it was really it was really with me because all of my teammates were obviously still playing and they had um they were in the middle of their season and um and even the Australian girls went on tour and that was um obviously the tour following the one that I was just a part of so I felt so left out of that and um and and I felt like someone else has obviously taken my opportunity um and will I ever get back there? Like there was just so many, so many doubts and stuff. And so trying to deal with that, I just um, broke down my rehab into little small goals and tried to focus on, um, yeah, focus on what I had to do to get back to where I was rather than thinking about way ahead, like what, what everyone else is doing, I guess, is just sort of focus on me. And, um, and yeah, breaking down my rehab into little building blocks sort of, um, gave me little boosts of serotonin along the way, like, oh, heck yeah, like I could actually chuck some weights on the bar now. Um, like how cool is that? Rather than being like, God damn it, like I was slapping them on before, like, oh, you know, sort of in, down the dumps. So, yeah, just trying to um, break up break up my rehab into little building blocks and and um, and sort of start achieving my goals along the way, um, which eventually – led to full fit me um, again and, and thinking <laughs> back, it um, went really quickly. But, yeah, definitely at the time it was hard. And I think I was driven once again by that FOMO. It was just wanting to to be there and wanting to get back to where I was. But at the same time, not letting that necessarily drive everything because I was sort of – if I were to get too far ahead of myself, it would um, make me feel pretty crappy. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a big journey I had. Heaps of support along the way as well. And I think I definitely relied on my um, support networks to sort of keep me going and, um, you know, little check-ins here and there um, or comments if I were to post something on social, they're like, oh, it's so good to see you sort of back. And that would be really nice as well. So, um, yeah, it was a really tough time. And, um, and yeah, it was just <laughs> there was heaps of – I was doing like two sessions a day, sometimes three, just to try to – um, tick all my rehab goals off and, and I missed out on um, heaps of cricket as well. So it was, it was sort of nice in a way to have a little bit of time off from cricket to sort of make me realise um, that I did really want to play and I did want to sort of go back to that and I do really enjoy um, playing and, and being a part of it. But, yeah, I, whilst I was away from cricket, um, I studied industrial design, so I had other interests and things outside of cricket that I could focus on um, whilst I was physically unable to like be a part of that, um, which was really cool. And, and I think it's important to have a balance in your life um, to make you sort of realise that there is more to life than cricket because when you do get injured, um, you got to do other things other than train. Yeah, it's it's 
what you say there kind of really resonates around uh, around doing a little bit more every single day. Uh, you're saying that, that kind of it, recovery is a process, resiliency is a process that you that you've got to go to. I think um, I've heard the the saying many times: we um, we overestimate what we can do in two years and underestimate what we can do in uh, in every single day. Yeah. So having that ability to kind of do that, and I think having the um, having having something else to kind of take your mind off things as well, which is meaningful around the design, etc., is obviously very important as well. Um, so yes, I saw that uh, you've got a six stitch design as uh, as your company as well. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Tell us the side hustle. Yeah, the side hustle. How's that all going? Yeah, it's uh, it's slightly MIA at the moment. It's more just a bit of a um, a brand outside of me, but also tying me back because the six stitch is sort of like you know the colloquial word for a cricket ball. So just trying to be funny there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's a it's my sort of escape when I'm. Um, when I'm away from training or away from cricket for me to sort of, um, yeah, just completely get away from cricket and focus on something else. Um, and that's, yeah, the six stitch and that's just so I can be, um, creative and, and it's more just like a visual portfolio. I haven't actually, um, I haven't actually done anything properly with it, but it's, um, yeah, there's been a couple of really cool opportunities to come out of it. Like I've been a part of a couple of art exhibitions, which is, completely foreign to anything that else that I've been a part of. And it's, it's a strange feeling because, um, yeah, obviously like I'll jump in a, in a cricket team, whatever, and I'll, um, feel confident cause I know that I can play cricket and back myself, but jumping into this and everyone sort of knows who I am or, um, you know, my mates are around me or, and whatnot, but jumping into a week, like a, an art exhibition, like a gallery opening night, I'm just sort of this, random gal walking in who's designed this um chair and I don't know anyone and no one really knows anything about me and it's very foreign but it's and it's really different as well obviously art and design is completely different to sport um there's a lot of um fluffy design talk that goes around it so (laughs) being in an environment like that is really um really cool and and super different to anything else that I've been a part of so it's great personal development in that sense um well you're throwing yourself into a lot of things where um sport is everybody is a as an armchair sports person yeah. um, and everyone's an armchair art critic as well right so you you're not shy of putting yourself out there and uh, and looking to excel yeah. in areas that's gonna uh, that's open for uh, a lot of objective views yeah yeah definitely no it's it's really cool to um have sort of two completely different worlds to be a part of and Um, and yeah, I find it a really nice balance for me, um, because yeah, say I'll get home from cricket, um, and I'll want to do something, whether it's like video or art or make a rug or something. And it's just a nice, like meditative escape almost. And then I can be like really refreshed and get back on the cricket field because I haven't been consumed by the amount of, um, wides I might've bowled or, um, a catch I might've dropped or something that sort of really draining outside of physically doing it just by thinking about it so it's nice to tune out think of something else and then 
get back into it refreshed. Yeah, it's important to have that third space in order to kind of take your mind away from from that and then kind of bounce. Uh, kind of once you then you're into it, you're you're all into it, and then when you're out, you're out. It's uh, um, there's yeah. a, there's um, again a lot of guests talk about that importance of that kind of whether it be meditation or or something else in order to um, in order to kind of calm the mind away from away from sport because it can obviously be all all consuming and now with with social media and just the media at large and obviously the further up the further up the ladder that you go the the, the spotlight mm. uh, the spotlight gets stronger yeah. um what's next for what's next for you um well i've got one game of grade cricket on sunday and then we've got off season which is i'm very excited for um <laughs> so i'll yeah i'll just be um i'll just be hanging out um I'm, I'm going to try to get into some creative stuff. Um, so maybe a ceramics class or something like that to sort of um, do something a bit different. But yeah, throughout the off season, obviously I want to maintain my fitness because I don't want pre-season to hit me like a ton of bricks. So I'll be training still, but um, I really enjoy the training aspect and I really like having a training routine and knowing um, my sort of structure for the week so I can feel like I'm actually progressing rather than um waiting around home for six weeks until pre-season starts and then everything starts again but um and also there's there's actually the season starting a lot earlier this year because the commonwealth games is coming up um and i think there's a series in 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 ireland actually before that or something like that so i'll be getting ready for that and um hopefully the work that i put in um, to last season gets me selected in that but um, if not I'll just be um, training away and and getting ready for next season well good luck with that myself and the uh, the the followers of the of the podcast will be gunning for you thank you thanks yeah I'm really um, looking forward to next season I think it's gonna be really cool and the last question Mel, in which we ask all our guests how do you define resilience I guess I feel like this I always think about the same especially when I am in a deep hurt locker um doing a running session is the the classic like when the going gets tough the tough get going i think um that's sort of how i think about resilience is yeah when it when it gets um when it gets tough peeps get going yeah that's it having that grit um and determination yeah grit i would just yeah grit definitely grit and determination and yeah, that's how I take. Oh, good stuff. Well, good luck with the uh, good luck with the off season, um, and, and the last game of this season. And I'm I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a, be an awesome uh, an awesome time ahead for you. And congratulations on all your successes to date. We really well, appreciate you. you joining the show. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks to our guest today, Maitland Brown. We really appreciate your time. Thank you to our sponsor, Securo. Securo, trust tomorrow. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group.